on the show today. Video doorbell company Ring begins offering end-to-end -end encryption to most users. TikTok announces stronger default privacy for teens. WhatsApp attempts to clear the air following backlash over its new privacy policy. Our scam of the day is an offer to get my credit scores with a catch. And today's tip gives you six steps you should take to protect your cloud storage. All of that and more is coming up on the January 18th, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have four stories on the news beat for you today. We begin at your video doorbell, where doorbell provider Ring has announced that it is rolling out end-to-end -end encryption to most users. End-to-end -end encryption fully protects your traffic as it travels between two devices, in this case, between the doorbell and your phone. Ring announced that end-to-end -end encryption would be available on qualifying devices, which includes wired doorbells, floodlights, spotlights, and stick-up cameras. However, it will not be available on older Ring devices or on phones running iOS 11, Android 7, or older. Once end-to-end -end encryption is activated, data will be encrypted throughout the entire transmission from the device to your phone. And moving on to another company that specializes in short videos, the up-and-coming social media site TikTok announced it will be enabling stronger default privacy for users ages 13 to 15. The popularity of TikTok has been driven by its teen users, with approximately 60% of its users between the ages of 16 and 24, according to the company's 2019 reports. TikTok announced that those ages 13 to 15 would have their accounts set to private by default, meaning that only those approved by the account holder can view the videos. The company also announced that it would limit the ability to comment on the videos of these younger users and that it would prohibit the downloading of videos for users under 16 years old. In my opinion, this is a very good move for a site that struggled to make positive headlines recently. With a substantial number of minors among its user base, enabling strong privacy by default for its youngest users is a good step in the right direction. In news from another social app, the messaging app WhatsApp has been conducting damage control following its announcement of an updated privacy policy. The app revealed a new privacy policy that detailed mandatory data sharing with Facebook and other Facebook products. Users became concerned that WhatsApp would begin sharing private data with Facebook 
resulting in many users making the decision to switch to competitors. WhatsApp released a new FAQ page aiming to clarify the changes to its privacy policy. WhatsApp stated that the updates are related to users who conduct business or contact businesses on the platform. WhatsApp stressed that neither itself nor Facebook can view messages, listen to calls, or monitor communications. And finally, if you have a Samsung Note 20 phone, you'll want to pay attention to this final update. Samsung revealed last week that the Note 20 could be unlocked by anyone if you were using specific types of screen protectors. The bug was caused due to a flaw that resulted in the Note 20 registering the texture on the screen protector as the fingerprint instead of the user's actual fingerprint. Anyone pressing on the fingerprint sensor would then cause the phone to register that texture again and unlock the phone. Samsung had already experienced and patched a similar issue with the Galaxy Note 10 in 2019. Fortunately, Samsung has already released the fix for the issue on the Note 20, so download the latest updates or shut off the fingerprint sensor until you can. And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam isn't a true scam, but it is a somewhat scummy advertisement that arrived in my inbox this week. The advertisement comes from a website called FreeScore360. It reads, Do your credit scores need a checkup? When it comes to your credit health, a lot can change in the blink of an eye. Your scores change as new information is added to your credit reports, the good and the bad. If you haven't checked lately, you might be surprised at what's lurking untreated. Early detection is the best defense against score-lowering changes. See where you stand with TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Get your three scores now. Checking your credit will not harm your credit scores. Sincerely, your free score 360 team. If you click on the link, you'll be asked to pay $1 to view your credit scores. As I said at the beginning, this isn't necessarily a scam. They may legitimately get your credit scores for you, but you will be enrolled in a trial of their credit monitoring service and you'll be billed automatically if you don't cancel. Remember, while you generally won't see your credit scores, you can get a copy of everything that's on your credit report for free. So there's no reason to pay anything in order to keep your credit safe. While it might be nice to know your credit scores, it's certainly not a necessity. I searched for this company online and saw exactly what I suspected. They will provide you with your legitimate credit scores, but they'll also use the scummy practice of enrolling you in their service automatically. In my opinion, any company that uses that type of tactic is not worth providing your personal information to. So while I can't close this out by saying it's a scam, it's definitely something that you want to watch out for. If you encounter a scam that you think we'd like to talk about on the program, you can send it to us at scam 
at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. This week's question is, what does the S mean in HTTPS at the beginning of an internet address? A, the site is using up-to-date software. B, the site is being encrypted. C, the site is not safe to visit. Or D, the site is optimized for your monitor. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m., on Monday, January 25th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, which of these passwords would be the most secure? A, cybersecurity123, all lowercase. B, cybersecurity123, exclamation point, beginning with a capital C. C, Cybersecurity123 with an exclamation point replacing the I. D. Cybersecurity123 with a capital B and an exclamation point replacing the I. Or E. Cyber123 Security with a capital B and an exclamation point replacing the I. The correct answer is E. To understand this answer, you need to understand the history of passwords. The security of a password is based on the amount of time it would take a computer to guess it. At one time, the processing power of computers was slow enough that a single word or two, like cybersecurity, would be enough to keep them guessing for too long to make an attack practical. But processing power has advanced incredibly over time. That's why the requirements and recommendations for passwords keep forcing you to choose better ones. At first, they said you had to use a capital letter. Then they said you had to include a number as well. And finally, they made you add a symbol. So over time, someone who was using the word cybersecurity might add a capital letter by just capitalizing the first letter of the word. Then, if they needed a number, they just slap a number or two onto the end. And finally, when the requirements began to require a symbol, they'd slap a symbol after those numbers. The problem with creating a password like that is that it makes it easier for a computer to guess the password that conforms to that pattern. If a large number of people have a capital letter, followed by some lowercase letters, followed by a number or two, followed by a symbol, Attackers will program the password cracking software to check for those combinations first. So there's three patterns to watch out for. A capital at the beginning, a symbol at the end, 
and numbers right before the symbol? A password that includes any of those three patterns is more likely to be guessed first by password cracking software. So if you want to give your password security a boost, avoid all three of those patterns. It seems that everyone and everything is moving to the cloud. But what exactly is a cloud? And should you consider using one for your data? We'll have more on what to consider when it comes to storing your information in the cloud when we come back from this short break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option 2. Cloud storage is a great way to keep your data safe and to collaborate with others. It's a great way to automatically back up your files or to be able to provide them to someone else easily. The majority of my important files are uploaded to the cloud. However, the cloud is someone else's system. And when you put your files on someone else's devices, you're also opening them up to the possibility of compromise. If you're not careful in the way you handle your files when you upload them, you could end up handing control of your information over to someone else. So what exactly is the cloud? Basically, a cloud is a large set of servers designed to do a specific function. In the case of cloud storage, the servers are all intended to receive files, store them safely, and then provide them back to you when you need them. So what do you need to do to protect your files when you upload them to the cloud? Here are six things that you should consider. First, if you're concerned about the privacy and security of your data, examine the user agreement before you upload anything. Yes, I know, reading through a user agreement doesn't fall under most people's definition of fun and enjoyable leisure activities. But it is the best way to understand what is going to happen with your data that you upload. Search for mentions of data monitoring. You definitely want to know if the company is going to be combing through all of your data. You also want to make sure you understand how your data is being protected while it is stored and while it's being transmitted. And that brings us to step number two. 
Depending on how sensitive your data is, you may want to choose one that completely encrypts your files. The service that I use keeps my files fully encrypted, both while they're in transit and while they're being stored. In fact, if someone went to my service provider and demanded that they hand over a copy of my files, they would only be able to provide the encrypted versions. Due to the method of encryption and transport that they use, I am the only one who can decrypt those files. Not every service encrypts your files while they're being stored. And that's not necessarily a problem if your data isn't extremely sensitive. So that brings us to step number three. Consider the sensitivity of the information you plan to upload. If your information isn't that sensitive, you don't necessarily need one that encrypts your files. Obviously, all of the cloud storage services have protections in place that help keep your files private, regardless of the amount of encryption that they use. But if someone does manage to compromise the storage infrastructure and obtain copies of your files, you likely won't be concerned if you know there's nothing sensitive in them. If you do have some sensitive data you want to store, you'll likely want one where the files stay encrypted anytime they're not on your devices. This is called a zero-knowledge system, since no one, not even the company storing the data, can access it. And finally, if the information is extremely sensitive, such as files containing your social security number or banking information, you'll probably be better off not storing it in the cloud at all. Obviously, you do want to keep your own backups of that information, but no matter how many precautions a cloud storage provider may take, there's always the possibility of a misconfiguration resulting in compromise. If you feel you must store these files online, then use your own encryption before you upload the files to the cloud. Encrypting a file sounds like it would be complicated, but it's actually very easy once you know how to do it. I'll have a link to instructions on how to use an encryption program available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com episode 45. The fourth step in keeping your cloud data safe is going to sound very familiar to regular listeners. Take precautions to protect your account. The security of the data you upload to the cloud is only going to be as good as the methods that you use to protect it. If you protect it with just a weak password, your account could be easily compromised. In episodes 6, 7, and 8, we did a three-part series on how to protect your accounts. It covered how to choose a secure password, how to safely remember that password, and how to take extra steps to protect your account, including using two-factor authentication. When protecting your files, you need to take as many steps as you can to make sure they stay safe. Fifth, make sure that when you access your files, you only log in from safe devices. Don't use a computer that you share with anyone outside of your home if you can avoid it. First of all, you could accidentally leave yourself logged in 
and give someone else access to your files. But beyond that, transmitting files to an insecure device could open them up for compromise. If someone else accidentally or intentionally downloaded malware onto that device, the file could be transmitted back to an attacker, or your cloud storage password could be compromised and sent to them. Sixth, make sure that you have backups of your important files. I have seen instances where activity on the same file from two different devices can cause conflicts that resulted in losing data. In most cases, the service will create two different copies of the file when there's a conflict, but occasionally something could happen where the files end up deleted. I say this not to scare you away from using cloud storage, but to let you know that these types of things can happen, so it's important to keep backups so you still have copies of your files. It's also a good idea to have backups of your critical files in case you lose internet access. Having your files in the cloud does you no good if you can't get access to them because the network's down. If you don't have access to those files, your work could stop just because of an internet outage. Keeping files accessible to you is just as important as keeping them unaccessible to others. Uploading your files to the cloud is very convenient, but it comes with its own set of risks. You need to read the user agreement so you know exactly what will be done with your data. You need to decide how much encryption you need to protect your files. You need to decide what types of files you should store in the cloud and what types should be best left on your own devices. You need to use a strong password and two-factor authentication to protect your files. You should only log in from safe devices to prevent compromise of your files and the passwords. And even when you're using cloud storage, you should still keep your files on your device in case they're accidentally deleted or the network goes down. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening and come back again next Monday, where we will discuss the threats that can come to you through text messaging. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.